Very good. Turn, if you would, tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, it is good to be here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for just the opportunity to be here. I pray that you'd help us to take full advantage of this time. I pray that we would uh, not allow ourselves to be distracted with the activity of the week or anything of that nature, but that we could just give attention to uh, what is before us today and that it would be a help and a a challenge to our spiritual lives. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, you may remember, we enjoyed uh, the missionary to the Philippines, Brother Mark Catalan and his family. And so because of that, we have been out of our study of Corinthians now for a couple of weeks. And tonight, I just want to remind you what we mentioned or what we looked at a couple of weeks ago, because I think it is so important, and that is this is that the Apostle Paul declared to the believers of Corinth that, that as a result of their repentance and being made right with God, it brought great joy not only to himself but unto Titus. And I tried to show us then as we were looking at the text that if you want to be a blessing and if you want to be an encouragement to others, just determine to be obedient to the truth of God's word. If you and I will make the choice to be obedient to God's word, no matter what, I promise you, without knowing it, you will be a blessing and you will be an encouragement to so many others. And and I would just say this, not a part of the message last week, but I would just say this tonight uh, to, to just try to maybe be a help to us. Not only is it an encouragement, it is a necessity in today's world. We need people to just make the decision, we're going to obey, we're going to do what's right, and we're going to live for the Lord. So I would really encourage you to consider that, that you can be a blessing to others by choosing to be obedient to God's word. Tonight we're going to begin with a cliche that I think most of us have heard in one form or another. I I know that there are some variations to this cliche that I'm about to speak of. It's kind of rough. It's not really something that you would typically bring before the church maybe. But I want us to think about this because there is some truth to it. How many of us have ever heard this cliche that excuses are kind of like armpits? Everybody's got a couple and most of them stink, right? Excuses are like armpits. Everybody's got a couple, and most of them stink. How many of us have ever been talking to someone, they did something they should not have done, or they didn't do something they should have done? Did I say that the same way twice? You get the idea, right? They either did or didn't do what they should or should not have. And if you probe them as to, why they did or did not, they offer up some flimsy, pathetic excuse. Have you ever been in a situation like that? I promise you, you have if you've raised kids. It's just something that they do. It's just something that they offer up for some of their reasons as to why they did or did not do certain things. People you work with, they offer up pathetic excuses as well. That in mind, I want us to be honest for just a couple of moments and admit this. 
that every one of us at different times in our lives, we have offered up some pretty pathetic excuses for our behavior or lack thereof. I mean, if we're honest, we would have to admit that there have been some times that we've gotten cornered and, and, and our actions have been called out and, and we've been questioned as to why we did or did not do certain things. And the best reason that we could come up with was just a sad, lame, pathetic excuse. Most of us don't like excuses, but it's amazing how often we resort to them whenever we need one. Would we agree? All right. So that in mind, as we come to chapter 8 this evening, I want us to know something going into tonight's sermon that Paul's thoughts are going to change directions drastically. He's no longer dealing with the subject of repentance. He's no longer dealing with the subject of godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. He is going to change directions immensely And in order for us to understand the flow of the passage, in order for us to understand what Paul is trying to communicate, we have to understand some of the context and what was going on in their day. And so if you can, best you can, keep this straight in your mind, that in the city of Jerusalem, we are told and we understand that the believers there in Jerusalem were struggling financially Really, from our perspective, many of us would say in an extreme fashion, all right? It was tough, tough, tough economic times, all right? So, so things were difficult financially for the believers in Jerusalem, and there were several different factors that contributed to the financial difficulty of those believers, But overall, this could be said of the believers of of Jerusalem, that it was not because of their poor decisions or or bad lifestyle that led them into the, the troubling times that they were experiencing, okay? So this would have been beyond them. This would have been something that they could not have planned for and something that they really could not have been held responsible for. So do we understand this? Believers in Jerusalem, they were going through a very tough time, generally speaking, financially, and and it was a rough, rough stretch for many of those believers. So in light of that, here is what the Apostle Paul wanted to do. He wanted to receive an offering from other believers in other churches as a way to help those who were struggling financially there in Jerusalem. Whatever offering that was accumulated, whatever offering that was brought in, it was not going to alleviate every financial struggle they had, but it would have been a help and it would have been a blessing. So you realize this, right? Paul was not trying to raise enough money to give everybody financial freedom for the rest of their lives, but what he was trying to do with the believers and other churches was gather enough money that they could at least be a blessing to those believers in Jerusalem. So with that in mind, by way of background, 
In verse number 1 of chapter 8, here is what Paul wants to do. He wants to make them aware of the giving of the believers in Macedonia. So notice what he said. He said, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So what does that mean? It just means this. We want you to know how the grace of God worked in the lives of the believers there in Macedonia. Now, I just want to kind of call a timeout right here, okay? If I can, I want to call a timeout and say this. This message is for everyone here tonight. There is not one of us, let's listen, there is not one of us, young or old, that needs to be distracted right now. I promise you, every one of us can be helped by this, okay? All right, so that in mind, he is wanting to convey to the believers of Corinth how the grace of God was manifested in the churches of Macedonia. And it says in verse number three, for to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing to give of themselves. And so of the believers in Corinth, here's what they are reading of the believers of Macedonia, that they gave not only according to their power, but they went beyond their power in that they were willing of themselves. And so here's what the believers of Macedonia did. They began to give more than what would have been expected of them. They went above and beyond what people would have thought they would have given. If you notice in verse number four, it says this, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So here's what the believers of Macedonia were doing. They were essentially begging or beseeching Paul and the others to take their financial gift so that they might be able to minister to the saints there in Jerusalem. Now understand this, please. With the distance between Jerusalem and Macedonia, those saints most likely had never seen one another, had never met one another. They just knew that it was some of God's people there in Jerusalem going through a difficult time, going through a difficult season. And so they gave They gave abundantly. They gave beyond what would have been their power, humanly speaking. They simply wanted to be a blessing to believers in Jerusalem. So it's kind of a neat story to this point, isn't it? Here are some believers who are struggling. Here are some believers who are suffering. Here are some believers who are going through a difficult time, again, to no fault of their own. Paul says, why don't we try to help? Why don't we try to raise some funds? Why don't we see if we can help alleviate or or lessen some of the burden that they are carrying? And so a plea goes out to other churches. Let's gather our money. Let's gather our resources. And let's be a help to Jerusalem. And the churches of Macedonia respond with great generosity. Now, as wonderful as that story is, It helps add to the story when we consider verse number 2. Look there in verse number 2, what Paul wrote to them. He said, How that in a great trial of affliction, 
the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty. So, so what does verse number 2 add to the equation? It adds this, that the believers of Macedonia, they were going through their own hard times as well. They had their own affliction and they had their own situations that they were dealing with. And it mentions there in verse number two, not just the affliction, but also a a sense of deep poverty. So you know what is being said of the believers of Macedonia? It is being said that not only were they having a hard time in life in general, but they were dealing with their own financial struggles And yet when the plea was given to try to be a blessing to the believers in Jerusalem, you know what the believers of Macedonia said? We can do something. We can step up and and we can do something. We as a church body, we can give collectively one another. We can, we can pull our resources and we can gather up what we're able to give. And, and we'll present that as an offering, not intending, again, to alleviate the struggles of the believers of Jerusalem. But they were of this mindset, we can do something. And it was in light of their own affliction. Let's listen now. In light of their own affliction and in light of their own poverty, that when they gave, Paul said that what they gave was above their power or beyond their power. It was something that Paul could not have imagined that they would have contributed to the offering. So when you think about verse number four, it says, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Here is what seems to be painted in the minds of the believers of Corinth, that it was almost as though Paul or the others were saying to the believers of Macedonia, you don't need to give this much. You don't have to do this much. And it's like the believers of Macedonia were saying this, please, Please take it. We want to be a blessing to the believers of Jerusalem. So it's like some were looking at what they were giving, saying, no, 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 that's too much. And the believers of Macedonia, they were saying, no, this is what we feel like we're supposed to give. And we feel like this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we have raised and this is what we have gathered. So it kind of begs the question, What motivated them to do this? So notice what it says in verse number five. It says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. What served as the motivation for these believers of Macedonia to be so generous and liberal in their giving. Paul said it started out like this. First, they gave their own selves to the Lord. Lord, we're yours. Lord, everything we've got, everything that we have in our possession, God, it's yours. 
This isn't ours. It's just what we've been entrusted with. But God, everything that we have and everything that we are, it is yours. So that's how it started. And then he said it was not only that, but it was unto us by the will of God that they gave themselves. And and really all that means is this. The, the idea would be that they were willing to trust the leadership of the Apostle Paul. That if the Apostle Paul said, listen, this is a worthy cause and this is a worthy investment, it, it was like the people realized... If Paul says this is a worthwhile investment, then this is something we need to get behind. This is something we need to be a part of. And so again, to try to, to try to tie this together, believers in Jerusalem, they're suffering. The plea goes out to the different churches. We want to try to be a help. We want to try to be a blessing. And the people of Macedonia who are going through their own affliction and their own deep poverty, they say, listen, we can help out. And they did, so much so that Paul was of the mindset that maybe they had given too much. And the believers of Macedonia said, please, take it. We want to be a blessing. So in verse number 6 it says, In so much that we desired Titus... That as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. So what Paul seems to be saying to the believers of Corinth is this, is it is our desire that Titus would receive from you this same kind of grace in your giving toward this need. So how do you know that that's what he's trying to communicate? Well, notice in verse number 7, he said this. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. What was Paul saying to them? He was just saying this. You also need to be liberal in your giving. You also need to be generous in this offering. You need to look at the example of the believers of Macedonia, see how they gave, and you need to have that same grace in your giving. Now, I want us to follow this, please, for just a moment. There really is nothing to indicate that the believers of Corinth were struggling financially in the same way that the believers of Jerusalem or Macedonia were struggling. So what he was saying is, you need to give and you need to give generously and by the way, you have no excuse for not being generous. Amen. If the believers of Macedonia 
who are going through their own affliction and through their own state of poverty, if they're having their own difficult season right now and they can come up with something that is more than appropriate, then Corinthian believers, you have no excuse. You need to give. You need to give liberally. You need to give generously. You need to tap in to that same kind of grace to try to be a blessing to those who are in need. Now, as you think about that, I I want us to, to, to be very clear on this. What the believers in the other churches were giving was on top of whatever other responsibilities they as a church family had. Whatever their responsibilities were for the preacher that that was over them, that that they were supposed to take care of, for, for whatever their responsibilities were, the idea was not take away from that local ministry and make that ministry suffer so as to try to be a help to another ministry. No, the idea was this. As you meet the needs of this ministry, you also need to be a blessing to another ministry and another group of people. And again, believers in Corinth, with the way you've been blessed, you have no excuse for not being a blessing. That's a neat thought, isn't it? Some of you are thinking, no, not really. I don't want to hear this. No, it's a neat thought. In fact, it's a wonderful thought, and it's a wonderful thought for this reason. I think every one of us, from time to time, we need to be challenged. Let's hear this. We need to be challenged in the realm of generosity. Every one of us, I don't care who we are, we need to be challenged in the realm of generosity. You say, well, why would I possibly need to be challenged in the realm of generosity? Well, for this reason. Over the course of our lives, you and I know this as well as I do, you know this as well as I do, that that there are going to be people who find themselves in difficult situations that is at no fault or to no fault of their own. It happens, doesn't it? Things happen that people can't plan for, that people can't budget, that people can't build into their overall approach to their financial lives. And there are times we as God's people need to step up and be generous with those who are going through a difficult time. in addition to what we're already doing. See, hold on. See, in addition to what we're already doing, the implication is, is we're already doing something with our current responsibilities. That's a novel thought to some. Okay. But we need to be challenged... In being generous 
above and beyond what we're already doing for the work of the Lord. Why do we need to be challenged? Because if we're not careful, we can become stingy and excuse it so as to justify it. See if this sounds familiar at all. I'd love to help. Really, I would. But I just can't afford to right now. Have we ever heard that thought expressed? Boy, I'd really love to help right now, but I just can't afford to. And then here's what we began to do. We began to list all the reasons why we can't afford to be a blessing to God's people above and beyond what it is we're already doing. See, we say things like this. We've got our own bills to pay. And because we've got our own bills to pay, I I can't afford to, to help anybody else right now. We've heard that said, right? I mean, most of us, if we're honest, we've said those words. We say things like this. But we can't afford to do whatever it is that maybe ought to be done because we're paying for college right now. To borrow from one of my excuses. You know, I mean, we really can't afford to do anything right now because... We're still paying for braces. And I've still got six more payments on those babies. Well, you know, I I really can't afford to help out right now because we got to buy the kids some clothes. I really can't afford to help out right now because We've got some projects going on around the house that that we want to get done. Are we hearing this? There's a need from from, from someone. In, In someone's life, there's this need... It's not because they've been stupid. It's not because they've been foolish. It's not because they've been ungodly. Something has happened... And we could be a help. And maybe the Holy Spirit has even prompted us to do something. But we have said we can't. Because we can't afford it. You know what Paul would say? That's a really bad excuse. Paul would say, let me tell you about some believers in Macedonia. They heard the plea to help some folks in Jerusalem that they'd never met. And they said, you know what? We can do something about that. We can't fix the problem. We can't set them financially for the rest of their lives. We can't do that. 
but we can do something. And so that's what we're going to do. I'm trying to remind us tonight that in addition to what we're already doing, if we want to be a blessing to others, we can. We really can. And not only can we, we ought to be. As the Lord leads and as the Lord directs. Now that can be difficult for some to grasp, right? I promise you it's difficult for some to grasp. It's difficult at seasons for all of us to grasp. So the question is, how can I get to a point in my spiritual life that I am willing to give no matter how much it may seem to hurt me or set me back? What could serve as that source of motivation for me? We'll go back to verse number five. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. So I don't know about you, I just know for myself, I don't want to be stingy. I really don't. I struggle with it from time to time. I I know that I do, but I don't want to be stingy. I don't want to be the one who's always got the excuse of, I can't afford that right now when I could, if I wanted. So how do I get past that? I surrender myself to the Lord. Think about this. Whenever I give myself to the Lord completely and entirely, you know what I have then done? I have given him every resource that I once considered to be mine. Let's just be honest. Here's what happens sometimes. If we would just be this blatantly honest, here's what happens. We know what we're supposed to give to the church. So we give that to the church. And then you know what we think? We think the rest of it's ours. So if I give this much to the church, whatever that is, we factor that into the budget. And after we have allowed for that, which again, we all ought to allow for that, for those of you who don't, we all allow for that. And then our our thinking becomes this. Now the rest of this is ours to do with what we want. This will pay for the college, this will pay for the braces, this will pay for the projects, this will pay for the clothes, this will pay for the trip, etc., etc., etc. And because of how we've got everything budgeted in our minds, 
That's why we say we can't afford it. But whenever we give ourselves to God, you know what we've done? We've just come to a point where we've said, it's not only this percentage that we're going to give to you, you've got control of 100% of what we possess. That's how you get a generous spirit is you give God access to all available funds and resources. So a need comes up in somebody's life, and the Spirit of God speaks to you and says, you need to help. You may say, well, well, Lord, I, I couldn't meet that whole need. I mean, I just it's absolutely impossible for me to meet that whole need. It, it would be like the Lord saying, I didn't say you needed to meet the whole need, but you need to give what you can toward that need, what I'm impressing upon you to do. But Lord, that money is in savings. I don't want to take money out of savings for that. I can't afford to do that. No, if we have given of ourselves to him, then what we realize is the money, listen now, the money that is in savings is as much God's as any of the other money is. So we're able to be generous if we want to be generous. But, 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 but God, we were going to go on vacation with that money. Is it his money or is it not? But God, I was going to build a fence with that money. Is that God's money? Or not. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we talk ourselves into a poverty stricken mindset, and we're not broke. We just don't have as much as we want. And because we don't have as much as we want, let's listen. Because we don't have as much as we want, we want to declare we can't. And Paul would say, excuse me? It's not that you can't. It's that you choose not to. If you and I want to be giving, if you and I want to be generous, we've got to lay aside the excuses. Whatever they are, we've got to lay aside the excuses and we've got to give everything that we've got to the Lord to use at his discretion. Now, I just want to be very clear on this. Does this mean that we have to help out in every situation that we're aware of? No. It's not the case at all. But when the Spirit of God speaks... We'll either be obedient or we'll be disobedient. The struggle will be to admit we can 
even though we think we can't. But that's just an excuse. Because if the Holy Spirit lays it upon our heart, there is a way for it to be done. It's all got to be his. It can't be ours. So I challenge us. Be generous. Be liberal. And don't let excuses keep you from being a blessing to someone else. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to consider this need of generosity and being liberal in our giving. Lord, I know that this and the context is always a matter between you and the individual. But Lord, I think many times we fail to be the blessing that we could because we've used some excuse to justify the tight fist that we've got. God, I pray that you'd help us to be generous. I pray that you'd help us to be giving and to just admit we could do more if we wanted when you lead us to do so. I pray that you'd bless in Jesus' name. Amen.